podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc. Hey, did you hear about that lady that was speeding, going 65 in a 25? Elderly lady at that, I mean to tell you. So she got pulled over. The officer asked her for her driver's license. She said, Sir, I don't have a driver's license. They took it away a couple months ago when I got caught for drunk driving. He said, oh, okay. Well, let me see your registration then. And so she says, well, I don't have one of those either. I actually stole the car, shot the guy, and stuffed him in the trunk. Wow. Okay, uh, ma'am, I I need you to put your hands on the steering wheel. I'm going to have to go call for backup, and I'll be with you in just a moment. So the popo goes back there and he calls for backup. The chief of police end up showing up and, uh, and he, he gets the rundown. He says, man, we got a, we got a real one here. She's, she's, uh, she don't have a license. She's, she's uh, stole the car. She shot the guy, stuffed him in the trunk. And so the chief of police goes up to the, the lady and says, lady, I'm going to have to see your, your driver's license. And so the lady reaches over in her purse and grabs her driver's license and the chief of police goes, wow, okay, well, this looks good. Well, let me see the registration. And so she gets in the glove box, pulls out the registration, and he says, wow, well, this, this looks good too. Well, I'm going to have to have you exit the car, open the trunk. And uh, so she goes back there, opens the trunk, and it's clean as a pin. There, there's nothing in the trunk. Now the chief of police is confused. He's looking at his officer. He's looking at the, the lady, and then the lady says, and I bet... I bet, I bet your popo told you that I was also speeding too, huh? Now, now some of you, you probably won't get that till this afternoon. All the blondes in the church probably won't get that till. Oh, Jesus. Had to go there, huh? Now, listen, I don't need you to think about that joke all service and miss out on what we're getting ready to do. But if you're looking to get out of a driving ticket... That's a good way to do it right there. Wow. I think we ought to pray. How about that? Father, help us today at all of our campuses. God, we're so thankful and grateful for this moment. And God, you know the people that are, that are here. God, you know the, the issues, the situations, the, the crisis, the pain, the hopelessness. And Father, I just pray in this moment that, that you would use me, that that, God, you, you would use me as a voice from heaven to speak the, the right things to help your people. God, we're so grateful for your involvement. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Do you love them this morning? Come on, do you love Jesus at all of our campuses? Uh, if you was here last week, we started a two-part message entitled, Be a Wise Guy. It's about the wise men and that very first Christmas. Let me read our our text again and just kind of kind of get the story. I know many of us are familiar with it. In Matthew chapter two, beginning with verse one, it says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some notice his plural, not singular, more than one, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king? of the Jews. We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Let's drop down to verse 9 here. It says, after this, 
the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It was ahead of them. Now, that's important. Guided them to Bethlehem. We'll get to that in just a moment. They went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, Again, uh, this story absolutely has fascinated me, especially over the last couple years. And I think it's because of the journey that these wise men took uh, to find the king. It's so much like the journey we take today in our our relationship with with Jesus. The Bible calls them wise men. Um, But what is it that really made them wise? Wise Was it their intelligence? Was it their success? Was it their wealth? Was it because they were famous and influential? And yes, they were all of that. Um, But I don't think that's the reason why the Bible calls them wise. So last week, if if you weren't here, we began to talk about this concept or this thought. What is it that made the wise men wise? If you weren't here, I encourage you to get the podcast. You can listen to it free of charge and just, just the great things that we talked about last weekend. But in just a quick review, first of all, for these wise men, we found out last week that, number one, for them, it was all about the seek. It was all about, it used to be all about the base, but now it's all about the, the seek. For them, it was about the seek. Remember that these wise men, they see the star from a faraway country, and they know that it's announcing Jesus. And the Bible says they take off on this search for the newborn king. Now, we discovered last weekend that these wise men, listen to this, traveled more than a thousand miles through the desert just to get to Jesus. A journey, we found out last week, that took them probably, possibly up to two years of time. Wow, not just a day, not just two days. They weren't in the stable, by the way. They they went to a house where Jesus was already a child. This journey took them up to two years just to finally get to Jesus once they they saw the star. See, you see, the journey was not convenient. It wasn't comfortable. Uh, This would have been a very dangerous journey, dangerous roads and dangerous robbers and dangerous, crazy, wild Animals. This journey would have cost them their time. It would have cost them their resources. It took a lot of effort. It took a lot of energy just to seek to find Jesus. I, uh, they, they, they put everything in their life on hold to go after, to seek, to find a baby. And we talked about this last week. What's absolutely amazing to me is that these wise men, after following the star for many months, finally come to Jerusalem. We just read it in the the text there. And they ask the Jews for direction. Uh, That might be why these, these wise men are so famous, because they're the only men in history who's ever stopped to ask anybody 
for directions. Now, now I want you to catch this. They're in, they're in Jerusalem there, and they're asking the Jewish people where they might find Jesus. The wise men who aren't Jews, they're actually, you know, Gentiles out of covenant. They're actually asking the Jews. Remember, Jesus is the king of the Jews. He was sent first to the Jewish people. They're asking the Jews where to find Jesus. You see, the wise men knew that he had been born. But listen, the Jewish people knew where he would be born at. And in Jerusalem, when they begin to ask for directions, here's what the Jewish people did. In fact, you need to understand the Jewish people of that day is kind of like the church-going people of our day. And so they get their Bibles and they open it up and they find the book of Micah in the Old Testament. And they found out the prophecy that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. So they find that, they, 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 they give the directions and the instructions to these, these wise men And the wise men pack up, they take off, and they go, listen, five miles to Bethlehem, and they worship Jesus. Here's what's amazing to me. None of those church-going people of that day, none of the Jewish people of that day made any effort to go the five miles to worship Jesus. Only the wise men. Yet he was their king. The ones who should have been seeking had no interest in seeking. The ones who should have been there to worship had no time to worship. The ones who should have been there bringing their gifts, they had no gifts to bring to Jesus. Now, I don't know. We talked about this last week. Why wouldn't they go five miles? These guys have been at it two years. Why wouldn't they just go five miles to worship their king, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. I don't know. Most, most likely, they were, just, they were just distracted. We talked much about that this last weekend. Now, now we would never do that because, because we all got our act together. But, but I, was, I was just thinking, they're probably just distracted with life, right? I mean, they're busy. They, they got work. Now, not us, but, but they're busy. They got work going on, right? They got their careers, got to make some money. They got all their relationships going on. They got their hobbies. They got their, their leisure time. They got their pleasures. They got, they got sports. We got a lot of things to go to. I, I'm sure it was just probably they were distracted. And here's what I want you to understand. It's not like they were doing bad things. It's just they weren't doing the most important thing. I want you to hear that. I'm not saying all this stuff that we do in life is bad, because it's not. We all got to work. You got to have a job. We all need to sleep. We all, we all need to have fun. We need to be able to, you know, live life. But it's, it's not that all those things are bad things, but, but sometimes it's not just the right thing. The Bible makes it very clear. We looked at this again last week, that it's all about the seek. Notice what Jesus himself said. He says, seek first the king or seek the kingdom of God above all else. I like, I like the way the New Living Translation puts this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, above work, above your marriage, above your relationships. Are you with me? Leisure, time, sports. And notice what's going to happen. And he will give you everything you need. 
in, in the chapter, it's talking about the money. It's talking about the clothes. It's talking about the stuff you need for life. He's saying, if you'll just put God above everything else in your life, then everything you really have need of, God's going to be the source and provide it for you. How? How are we going to have what we need for life? How am I going to have what I need for my, for my marriage? How am I going to have what I need for my crazy kids that I'm trying to raise? How am I going to have what I need for my career or my business or, 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 or my finances? How am I going to have what I need for my health? The only way you're going to have it is to put God above everything else. That's when, come on, that's when it happens for believers. I'm sure they were just busy, not busy doing bad things, just, just, just not doing the right thing. And I thought about this, and again, we talked much about this, but I felt like I needed to do a little, little more on trying to help us to understand. This is just a fire waiting to happen. I, I kind of think our, our life is like this power strip thing. It's, it's, we got all this stuff we got all this stuff going on in our in our life, and uh, it's not bad things. It's 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 just you know it's just maybe not the main thing. And so we got you know we got work. We got to work, right? I got to sleep, and you know I got I got my business. I got my career, and I got you know got kids in sports. Got 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 to do that. Got some dance going on too. Um, you know life's busy, and so. We just start plugging things in and, you know, I got a honeydew list. That thing's getting longer. Anybody got one of those? That thing's getting longer by, by, things get longer by, by the day. And so, so this is kind of how our life, our, our life looks. And so then you come to church, right? <laughs> Aren't you glad you're here today? And they get up and they say, we're going to have 100,000 Christmas shows, and we expect you to be at all of them and bring somebody with you too. And you're going, ah, I'm so busy. My life is so busy. I don't know how I'm going to find any time. And here's how we kind of think of it. We kind of think of when it comes to God, we kind of think of, okay, we'll, we'll try to, you know, if I'm not too tired, if I'm not too busy, if I don't have to work, we'll plug God into our, our life. But, but church, God doesn't want you to plug him into your life. He wants you to plug your life into him. Come on, he, come on, he wants you to plug your life and, but that's not how we do it, right? We just, we just kind of add God in with all the other busy stuff that we you, We got to work, right? We got to build that business. I'm all about all of that stuff. We got we to gotta, we gotta have leisure, vacations. I mean, some of you, I can tell by looking at you, you got to take a bit. We need all of this stuff. We got relationships. We got we to gotta, we gotta do, we got to go watch the Niners lose again. We got to do this stuff. And so then what we do is, I ain't got no more. I'm, I'm just sucked dry. And so then what we say is, okay, I know what I'll do is I'll just, this weekend I won't, I won't do that so that I can go to church and, and I'll just kind of plug God into my, to my life. And, you know, once a month, it's not bad, right? It's not really bad. And then we're wondering why our life is like it is. God's promise is that if you put him above everything else, then God will provide everything in your life. 
And he's not just talking about money. He's talking about your family, your home, your peace, your joy. Are, are you with me? And here's what, I, here's what I want to say again is we don't take God and plug him into our life. We take our life and plug it into God. And here's what's going to happen when you do that is all of a sudden you're going to realize that maybe not everything on this power strip is necessary. You begin to realize that, you know what, that relationship, it really sucks me dry. I think I can get rid of that. That, that honey-do list, <laughs> it's way too long. Forget that one too. Come on, it's amazing how God will help you find balance in your life. That's worth a hand clap right there. Come on, that, that, somebody came to church just for, just for that. So for those wise men, it was all about the seek. It was all about the seek. Let me, let me quickly talk about today what it was all about for them. The wise men, number two, is all about the bring. It was all about the bring. Now, most people, when they think of these wise men, they just assume that the only thing they brought to Jesus were their gifts, three, three gifts, right? But let me make a point by giving you some biblical historical facts here about these wise guys. Um, I know our nativity scene, they teach us they teach us that there were three wise men. The truth of the matter is the Bible never says that. The Bible says there were three, three gifts. We just then assume that there must have been three wise men, but the Bible doesn't teach that. In fact, there could have been three wise men, but there also could have been 33 wise men. There could have been 20 wise men. There could have been 100. We, we absolutely don't don't know. The Bible doesn't clarify that. But this is what we do know about these wise men. In their day, they were men of science. They, they were, they were uh, professors and well-educated scholars. They were trained in medicine, history, religion, and culture. They were very powerful businessmen who were highly esteemed in their day and very wealthy. It's also believed that these were Wise, that these wise men were rulers, some even uh, minor kings of small providences. That's the reason why we call them the kings from the east. Now, this is what I need you to hear today. When these wise men traveled, they did not travel by themselves. Each one of them would have their own entourage. So if there's three, there's three separate entourages. If there's 33, there's 33 separate entourages. Their whole community of people would travel with them. Most scholars agree, catch this, that each one of these wise men who would have been traveling in, in, in their own community would have no less than 30 people traveling with them, and most likely hundreds of people. Most scholar, scholars believe that they would have had per wise men two to 500 people traveling with them. Wow, you've got to be kidding me. These wise men and their communities on the go would bring their own cattle. They would bring all the necessities of, of, of food so that they can eat and, and, and while they're gone. They would carry their, their own drinking water for, for, for their thirst. They would carry their, their wealth, as we see. They opened their treasure. They had their own army, private army, for protection, now, here's my point at all the campuses. It's not just three guys out for a ride on their camels who eventually get to Jesus and give him 
three gifts. No, these, these wise men brought, they brought people to Jesus. It was all about the bring. They didn't come by themselves. They brought their family. They brought their kids. They brought their friends. They brought their neighbors. They brought their community to Jesus. There could have been hundreds are thousands of people. In fact, that's the reason why if you study the passage, that when they got to Jerusalem, it stirred all of Jerusalem up. They were overwhelmed when these wise men and their entourages got there. Why? Because they're not just guys on a, on a camel out for a ride. They are bringing people for Jesus. It was all about the bring. And I truly believe that's why the Bible calls them wise Men. In fact, the Bible says if you'll do the same, you'll be a wise person. Notice Proverbs 11.30. It says, he who is wise captures human lives for God. Wow. This is what Christianity is all about. It's all about the bringing. When we're on mission, the Bible calls us wise You know, that's the whole reason why Jesus came to the earth. Notice what Jesus said concerning his assignment in the earth. Luke 19, 10, the Son of Man, that's Jesus, came to find lost people and save them. Do you know, this is what Christmas, I know know we think about giving gifts to each other, but really this is what Christmas is all about. It's why God gave us Christmas Here's why God gave us Christmas, John 3, 16. Oh, we know it so well. Notice it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, the truth of the matter is, is that when you die, the Bible says, that, that, that judgment comes, that, that we all stand before God, and there is a heaven and there is a hell. You need to understand that. But the Christmas message is that God so loved the world that he gave his son so that we would not have to be condemned, so that we could be saved. Wow, God loved the world. If you don't get anything else today, I hope you get this statement I want you to hear it. I want you to pay attention right now because I believe this is the most powerful thing that I say all day. Everybody is somebody that Jesus died for. Everybody is somebody that Jesus died for. It's just good for us to hear that God loves me. In fact, at all of our campuses, just to kind of Help me preach today. Would you, would you help me? I think it just would be good if we could hear ourselves say it. Why don't you say this after me? Say, say this. Say, God loves me. Oh, that's so wimpy and so cheesy. Come on. Madeira, you could do better than that. Fresno, Clovis, say it with all your guts. Say, God loves me. Oh, that's so much better. Yeah. You'd be surprised how, how much faster the message will go if you cooperate. Since we're doing such a great job, would you point to your neighbors and say to them, say, God loves you. Come on, go ahead, do that. Oh, that wasn't very good either. 
Come on, point to the other neighbor, your second choice, and say, God loves you. That's good. You need to be reminded about, hey, how about saying this? Say, God loves people I don't know. Oh, we're doing good. Now try this one. Say, God loves people I don't like. Oh, my. We were doing good until that one, right? Did you know God loves people not like us? He loves you. He loves me. And he loves them. For God so loved the world. He loves you, he loves me, and he loves people you don't like, and he likes people, he loves people that that aren't like you. He loves the world. Everybody is somebody that Jesus died for. One more time, we should give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Come on, that's incredible, that's crazy. Come on, are you thankful? So stay with me. We're working on something here. Not going to be that much longer. Here are these wise guys. They're, they're, they're in the Far East living their lives, and God chooses one star out of all the stars, and God lights that star up, and he catches their attention. Wow. And that one star becomes the travel guide for those guys and their entourage to get to Jesus. You know, we're all here today because God has used somebody like a bright star to get us to Jesus. That's exactly what Jesus did with the star. He got the wise guys and the wise men and their entourage and their families and their, their, their kids and their community. God used that bright star. He lit one star up out of all the stars and it became the trial, travel guide over the next couple of years to get all of those people to Jesus. And we're all here at all of our campuses. We're all here because God has used somebody as a light, as a bright star in our lives. Maybe, maybe a parent, a dad, a mom, maybe a friend, right? Maybe a brother, maybe a sister, a coworker, maybe, maybe even a preacher. I mean, their life, their, their light began to shine and caught your attention, and it became the guide that helped you, that invited you, that brought you, and you're here today, Madeira, Fresno, Clovis, you're, you're here today worshiping God because of Him. I mean, you were lost, you were in sin, you were messed up until God used somebody to become your bright shining star. Think about that. I don't know about you. I'm so thankful for the bright shining stars in my life. And boy, have I had them. I'm here today doing what I do because of the bright shining stars that guided me to Jesus. I'm so thrilled this morning because my dad and mom are both into service, our worship service together here in Clovis. And Man, have they ever been the bright, shining star that has helped get me to Jesus. Oh, I had a great childhood. My parents were, were just the greatest. I mean, hardworking people and loved their kids. And 
no-nonsense type of guy, just a, you know, just a construction guy. But man, did he love for us? Did he care for us? Did he provide for us? You know, my dad was great. He got involved with us, taught us how to fish, taught us how to hunt. Man, we were in every sports you can think of, baseball, football, wrestling. I mean, we were in it all. My dad coached. He was just so engaged, so involved in my life. My mom, so involved in our lives. They, they were truly a bright, shining star. I mean, our lives kind of look like this at times, really, really busy and lots going on. But one thing about my dad, he didn't plug God into his life. He plugged his life into God. And, and so we knew, we knew as for, as for me in this house, we're going to serve God. So it didn't matter if it was sports. It didn't matter if it was, if it was whatever hobby. It didn't matter. As for me in this house, if it was church time, we going to church. Church was not an option back in the day I was raised. But you know what? And back then, it was not just Sunday morning. It was Sunday night. It was Wednesday night, sometimes all night, Friday night prayer meetings. And we were busy, very involved, but but we didn't plug God into our life. We actually plugged our life into God. And God God was number one in our life. And we just knew that. We understood. We never asked, hey, Dad, are we going to church today? That was like a stupid question in our house. You just got ready because we're going to church because God is who we are. When we're playing baseball, God is who we are. When we were wrestling, God is who we are. When we were as a family, God is who we are. And I'm here doing what I'm doing today because of that bright, shining star in my life. Come on, you can tell your own story. I think about my grandpa and my my uncle who who are also preachers. My grandfather who pioneered many churches in the state of California. My uncle, who was a great preacher, me growing up, I could remember going to church and probably eight years of age, man, I just could remember being so influenced by their preaching and so influenced by their, their life that I would go home and couldn't wait for lunch to be over with because I'd go hide in my bedroom and I would, I would make me this, 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 this pulpit of sorts and, and I could remember what they preached that morning and I spent my afternoon, Sunday afternoon, preaching in my bedroom at the age of eight years of age because of their influence in my life. I can remember as a teenage boy, messed up, doing the wrong thing. I don't know how I got messed up, got influenced by people I shouldn't have never got influenced. But I'm so grateful, so thankful for the youth pastor at that moment that became that bright, shining star that would say, hey, let's go out for lunch. Hey, hey, let's, let's swing by and, and, and grab a cup of coffee together. And Man, I was so influenced, so impressed with his life that his, his role model began to be an influence that got me out of some trappings that I was, I was in. And then I met Miss Beautiful. I met Mrs. Hand. She was only 15. I wasn't much older, but I'll never forget that camp I went to. I went there for girls, not for God. But I was there and I saw her. And the moment I laid my eyes on her, those beautiful blue eyes, I said, that's going to be my wife. And since that moment till now, I've been chasing her some 30 plus years. But that influence... That influence in my life became a bright, shining star. See, I, I was messed up again. But, but see, she was, she, was, she was raised in a 
pastor's home. Her dad was a pastor. Her mom was a pastor's wife. And, and, and so, and so I, I wanted to date her. I wanted to be involved in her life. Well, but for me to be involved in her life meant I was going to go to more church. I thought we went to a lot of church. They really went to a lot of church. I can remember talking to her dad and saying, I want to date your daughter. He says, great. Here's how it's going to happen in my home. You date her, you date me. So for the next three, four years, guess what? I dated the whole family. I was, I was messed up. I mean, she was, she was a bright, shining star. I was, I was trying to grab places I shouldn't be grabbing. And she says, not with this, uh-uh. We're going to have a job, and we're going to have a, going to have a wedding, going to have some vows, going to have some commitment, going to have a covenant, and we're going to do this God's way if you want me. Come on, somebody. Some of you need that kind of, some of you need that kind of star in your life. I'm so thankful for the influences, the bright, shining stars that have helped get me to Jesus. Here's what I'm saying. You need to be somebody's shining star. I believe that God wants to use your life like a star that will shine so bright that it becomes a guide to those around you in your work, in your relationships, in the mall today, there'd be a guide helping somebody, somebody find Jesus. You, you might think, ah, this isn't Bible. Let, let me show you how much Bible this is. In Daniel 12, 3, it says this, those who are wise will shine like the brightness on the horizon. Those who lead many people to righteousness will shine like the stars forever and ever. Do you know what that's saying? When you become a bright light that influences other people for Jesus, God says not only will you be a bright star on earth, but for eternity you will be a bright star. What is that saying? For those that don't know, when you get to heaven, there's going to be judgments. And for us believers, we're going to be rewarded for what we have done for God on this earth. The Bible teaches that there will even be a reward for those who are busy on mission winning people for Jesus. And the Bible says that those that will shine bright as stars here on earth will spend their eternity rewarded in heaven. I know we're busy with a lot of things, but are you doing the wise thing? See, see, your life can't just be about you out on your camel for a ride. You got to bring people with you. Come on, your wife, your husband, your kids, your family, your neighbors. You need to bring them Jesus, your life needs to shine like a bright, shining star. You know, that's how this church got started. You know, we moved here back in 1992, fresh out of Bible school. I didn't have a penny. I mean, we were just on a prayer. Moved to town, northwest side of Fresno. We didn't know how we was going to start a church. We didn't know anybody in this city. We just felt like God had put it in our heart to go to the northwest side of Fresno, start a church. When we got here, 
the church was the last thing on our minds. We just figured, man, that'll probably happen five years out. You know, we'll get some relationships going and we'll just see how that thing, that thing goes. What I need is a job because my wife likes to eat. I like to eat. My kids like to eat. And so I'm just thinking, I need a job. I need a job. And I was, I was filling out applications and I finally got hired by this guy. I need a job. I need a job. He hired me. But what's interesting is that I thought I needed a job, but God said I needed a star. You know what happened in that first job that I thought I needed, that God wanted me to be a star? In the relationship, just two, three days into that relationship, this guy, I wrecked this whole guy's life. I just needed money to eat. But something about my life intrigued this guy. I mean, this guy was living for the world. I mean, he's shacked up with the girls. And I mean, he's just doing stuff he should be doing. And I could care less about that. I just needed a job. But God needed a star. And do you know, about a week and a half later, because of my life and his life, he made the decision to come to a Bible study in my home, and that was the start of Celebration Church. He got saved. His son got saved. He kicked out the girl and then married another one, right? Come on. That's how God does it. I needed a job, but God needed a star. I remember years later, we we went on a vacation. Oh, how I needed a vacation. I could tell stories all day long. Oh, how I needed a vacation. But God needed a star. Sometimes we don't want to be a star when we don't want to be bothered. And I went on a cruise, and many of you have heard this story. But I'm on a cruise, and they had arranged seating. And so I'm sitting at this table, me and Cherie, and and there's, there's like, I don't know, eight other people. And right across from us is this elderly couple. At that time, I thought they were Elderly, they were like in their late 60s. Hello, somebody. But when you're only 19, it's kind of like, when you're only 30, it's kind of like. But what's interesting is that we just begin to be friends with them and talk with them. And I could tell this guy, this guy's kind of liking me. He's like, he's following me all over the ship, all over the boat. Over, it's like, I can't, I don't know this guy. I, just, I need a vacation. I'm around people all the time. I need a vacation. I don't need to be a star, but God wanted me to be a star, and we just let our light shine, and we just built up conversation, and they said what they did, and I mean, night after night, it's just crazy, crazy. They'd be late for dinner. I said, why are you late, man? He said, oh, he said, oh you know how small those bathrooms are? My, she got wrapped up in the shower curtain, and I'm trying to get her naked body out. It's just, just crazy. I'm thinking, wow, you mean you guys do that at that age? That was funnier than you're laughing. And then I found out they're not even married. Who does that kind of thing at their 70s and they're not even married? You know what happened? I thought I needed a vacation and God needed a star. We ended up leading those people to Jesus. I ended up marrying them. A couple of years ago, he... A couple of years ago, she emailed us because she stays in contact with us. She says, Don passed away. He's no longer with us. Ooh. But we know where he is. 
He's in heaven. I thought I needed a vacation, but God needed a star. I know you think you need certain things, but what God is saying over your life, he needs you to be a star. I'm going to close with this last verse. Matthew 2, 11, the end of the story. It says, they entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Wow, they, they opened their treasures. They, they opened their treasure chest. Maybe that's a great question. Where's your treasure? Maybe a better question is, who is getting your treasure? Did you notice that it was gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Th- these are very costly, very valuable, very valuable gifts. Wait a second. Jesus is just a child. Where's the Tonka truck? Uh, where, where's the Legos? Where's the Pokemon cards? You don't give a child gold. You don't give them costly, valuable gifts. But see, that's where many people don't understand the story. It wasn't about him being a child. It was about financing the cause of Christ in the earth. All of that wealth actually became the finances that financed the message of Christ as he lived out his ministry on earth to seek and to save a lost world. And that's what we do every week. We come and we open our chest, you know. People say, oh, y'all, you want is our money. I'm not taking this money home. We open our chest, we bring our tithes, we bring our offerings, we bring our special offerings, and we make it our best because He is the best. And we worship Him. When you give of your tithes and your offerings, you think that pastor, the preacher, just wants your money. This isn't going to the preacher. This is so that celebration, the ministry, can seek and save that which is lost. 30 plus churches just had church yesterday because you finance those ministries in the Philippines. Hundreds and thousands of people are being saved because you open your treasure chest and finance the gospel. You should never question. You should never resist opening your chest and bringing your best to the one that's worthy of it. So even... For the wise men, it wasn't just bringing people to Jesus. It was giving of their resources so that other people could be brought to Jesus. Luke's gospel says that you should take your money, win people to Jesus with it, and that when you get to heaven, the Bible says, they're going to welcome you there. That's in Luke's gospel. It tells you that to use your money Use your treasure, use your resources to get people to heaven, and there will be a day you'll get to heaven, and they're going to be there, and they're going to say, thank you. Thank you for being a tither. Thank you for being a giver. Thank you for not being stingy, because I am here. I heard the message of Christ, because you financed it in your church. I'm just, I'm just here to ask you a question. Who are you bringing? How about our, our Christmas shows? Who, who are you bringing? I know you're busy. I know you've got a lot of stuff going on. 
but, but who are you bringing? And what are you giving? Because that really is the mission at hand. It really is the mission at hand. And here's what I know. If you'll do that, you're going to shine bright. Not only here on earth, but you're going to shine bright for eternity. Wow, wow, wow. I want to ask you to stand at all of our campuses. We're, we're going to give in just a moment, and I'm going to ask you to do something even special. I, I don't even think I did this in the first service. You know, I say it all the time. Me and Sharif, are, I preach my guts. I'm preaching what I actually do. Me and Sharif, since the beginning of this church, have always, always, always brought a special, special, the biggest offering we can of, throughout the year, and we give it at Christmas time. We've always made up our mind that the biggest gift is not going under the tree. Our biggest gift will be to finance the kingdom of God so that somebody can hear the gospel. I'm here to tell you what you give today. It's called worship. When you bring somebody, it's called worship. And so before we give, I've already, you've already prepared. Nobody has to do anything they don't want to do. Some of you can make adjustments and say, well, you know what, I need to do that too. I need to, I need to do something significant. I need to make a mark on this world, something that has eternal re- reward and re- eternal consequences. But here's how I, I felt we needed to, to, to end this is that the Bible says they came and they, they worshiped. They worshiped, which it means, first of all, their hearts were into it. Please don't give anything. Don't give anything if your heart's not wanting to give it because it's not received. For it to be worshiped, first of all, you have to have a want to of your heart and then God receives the offering. Hear me, don't give if your heart's not in it because God wants the heart. They fell and they worshiped and then they opened their treasure chest and financed the mission of Christ in the earth. As you have your gifts in your hand at all of our campuses, we're going to sing this song. Maybe, maybe you didn't give God your best worship yet. Can we have celebration before we close out this day at all of our campuses? Let's give God our best worship because he's worth whatever journey it takes to get to him. Let's sing this song. Oh, come let us adore Him. I'm going to just ask you to close your eyes, bow your heads. Before we worship the Lord with our giving, and maybe you're here today and maybe you're the one that doesn't have the relationship with 
but Jesus. And you feel that tug on your heart to get right with, with God. The Bible's very clear. All that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God came for everyone. That means me and that means you. But to receive that gift means that you've got to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And the Bible says if you'll do that, if you confess Jesus, declare Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you'll call upon him, you will be saved. And all of our campuses, if, you're, if, if you've never done that, or you might say, I've done that at one time, but I'm just not living for God. I'm in a backslidden condition, and I need to rededicate my life today. I want to lead you in a prayer, a prayer that you can pray with all your heart, with all your guts, and you can know today that you're right with God. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Father God, today I surrender my life. I give my life to you. I receive Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. Father, forgive me of all my sins. And with your help, from this day forward, I'm going to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc.